Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin-church.org. And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. So here we are on Back to School Sunday, and as I was uh, thinking and praying about what to share with you, um, we've been in a series on stewardship, and I thought maybe let's pause that and let's talk about something that would be uh, maybe helpful uh, for teachers helpful for all of us. And so I hope what I share will be meaningful to every one of us, no matter what station of life that God has put you in. Uh, But it may seem just a little bit strange at first. And so I'll I'll explain uh, what I'm going to talk about to you. Um, I I read this week um, on the FAA website that back in 2019, there were 146 investigations initiated into what they called unruly passenger events, unruly passenger events, so 146 investigations. Now, that's not every you know, incident. That's just the ones that were reported and that they investigated. So 146 investigations. Now, fast forward in uh, 2021, there were 1,099 investigations initiated into unruly passenger events. And I, I, they're experiencing what I think everyone is experiencing is a loss of order. Like there's, there's been this effect of, of people that, you know, as a society going through all the, the hardships that we've gone through over the last couple of years, that's just had this ripple effect. And it's, it's affecting airplanes, um, the teachers and, and educators that I get to talk to are telling me the same thing is happening in our schools. That, that many times they're struggling to teach because all they're doing is putting out fires. They're just trying to deal with whatever behavior issues are happening. The reports of, of students behaving badly and cursing out teachers first thing in the morning. And the teacher says, I'm going to call your parents. And they said, go ahead. They don't care. It's like, oh. Right? We, we have teachers that are snapping, right? Behaving badly. And we're seeing this happen throughout our society. And and it feels like in this moment, there there needs to be a standard raised by the word of God that says, let's talk about how are things meant to work? What is God's order? And how does that actually contribute to our good? We talked about this last week, but as followers of Jesus, we are called to be salt and light. Salt preserves things and light illuminates. And so we, we as the, the people of the kingdom of God, as followers of Jesus, have this unique calling to be salt and light in all the places that we are. And so we, we need to understand how has God designed this to work. And I've used um, a picture of a, of a, a symphony And um, in the age that we live in, when everyone's a soloist, we have a problem. Does that make sense? 
If you've ever been to a symphony and there's instruments everywhere and they're all, you know, tuning at the beginning and they're all like out of tune and you hear them all like slowly coming to tune, it's like, awesome, now we're all on the same page. But then if there was no conductor saying, okay, now's the, now's the start, now you, now you, quiet, more, you know, all those kinds of things that they do, right? See, it, it, without that, it is just total chaos. There's like no order to the sound and it would not be pleasing to the ear. So we need to get a vision for the divine orchestrator who's given us an order for life on earth. Um, we've seen this not just in the airplanes and in schools, but we're seeing it um, in our streets as we saw the race riots that just erupted into violence. We saw policemen being targeted. We had the January 6th breach of the, cap uh, of the Capitol, and there's the ever-present disorder and dysfunction in, in families, and it just feels like order is eroding everywhere we look. Chaos has abounded, and in the midst of that, guess what? Anxiety has boomed because it's not good for us. And so as believers, what, what I want us to consider is how in the world do we help put the world back together again? Because that's the phase that we're in. Hopefully, by the grace of God, we're moving into this somewhere in the middle of putting the world back together again after a, a season of just chaos and craziness. So how do we as believers, salt and light, join in the work, engage in the great work of putting the world back together again. We're going to be in Romans chapter 13 if you want to um, start turning there. And I'll just give you a little heads up that what he's going to be talking about is really about civil government. Okay, he's going to be talking about the order of government and what we're going to do is look at what he says about that. And then I, I want us to kind of take these, these principles, understand them, and just kind of extrapolate that on how does that affect every one of us no matter what station of life we're in. So Romans chapter 13, we're just going to look at verses 1 through 5, and, and here's what he says. He says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. Verse 2 so then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. Verse 4, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Verse 5, therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. This is the word of the Lord. So here's the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome. This is about 20 to 25 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And he's speaking to a people in a, a Roman world that wasn't necessarily Christian friendly. Okay? 
There were some eruptions of persecution that were happening in this, this society that they're writing to. It's not like Christians have all this freedom and all the stuff that we get to enjoy here, right? They did not experience the same things that we experience here. It was more difficult for them. The government that they were under was, was more precarious than what we experience here today. So that's just context of what Paul is writing to in the church at Rome. And, and there's some things that he tells us in verse 1. He says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are, here's the word, instituted by God. Now, that word instituted literally means to place something in order. It's to set things in order. See, the first point that I want us to understand is that authority is instituted by God. There's, there's an order that God has made, and it's good. Authority is good. That idea right there is highly contested in our culture, that authority is good. Very, very highly contested. Um, there was uh, a movement of Christian writers in the early 2000s that were writing about postmodernism. Have you ever heard the term postmodern, postmodernism, right? You, you know that term. You've probably learned about it maybe in college. You studied it or you just know about it because you hear people talk about it like me. Postmodernism. And what that is, it's, um, it's a focus on the individual, okay? And it's also a, a rejection of any claim that says this is true for all people. Which means nothing is authoritative. Does that make sense? So when we say there is one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's revealed himself in his son, Jesus. And this is true for all people. People in our culture are like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. That is intolerant to say that. Because someone else says, no, God is this or God is that, right? And so it's a rejection of all claims of truth. So, and what it does is it erodes authority, which means eventually nothing is authoritative. How does it play out in a culture? Look around. A child is born, and a child is looking to parents for, for sustenance and nourishment and guidance and leadership, and parents are now saying, we don't know what you are. We're not sure. What are you? Tell us. Tell us who you are. Because who are we to say? Who am I to be the authority to tell you what you're like or if you're male or female or all those kinds? It's, it's, there's an erosion of authority that just trickles down and it's the pin that's mightier than the sword, right? It's just this, it's in the water that we're living in. And we've bought into an idea that authority is bad. And here's the deal. Authority isn't bad. The abuse of authority is bad. Authority, according to what we just read, is from God, that he's instituted in order. 
If, if we could just cut back the, the fleshly world that we live in and we could see the heavens right now, what you would see is a world of order. If you read the scriptures and, and you read about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you, you read about angels that specifically are in his presence that are shielding their face because he's so holy. When you read about archangels and, and host of angels, it's like there's this whole order to the heavenly realm that we don't even see or know. And it's the same thing on earth. God has instituted an order and authority, and it's really, really good. Because where there's no order, guess what? Confusion abounds. Chaos abounds. Anarchy abounds. Injustice. And here's what happens. Bad actors fill the vacuum. Totalitarianism fills the vacuum where there's no order. Literally stripping everyone's authority away from them and saying, I am the authority. So we think about this rejection of authority in our culture. We can see that it's really, really bad for us. So it, authority is good. It's instituted by God. The, the second thing it shows is that civil government is God's idea. It's not ours. And here's what happens in America. We're like, if I didn't vote for you, I'm not listening to you. In fact, I'm probably going to mock you. And I, you know what I'm saying? Because that, that's how it works here. It's like, you're not my candidate, even though you got elected. I, I reject that. And it's a total rejection of government based on our ideologies. And here's the thing. When you read the scripture, we know that not all governments are equally good. Not all governments are equally beneficial. There are moments in scripture, I don't have time to go there, but there are moments where God's servants, his disciples say, decide for yourselves, should we obey you or should we obey God? There are times where Christians are called to not obey authorities that are telling them to disobey God. Okay? But authority is established by God, and it's good. It also shows us that, that God has put this authority over earthly life, and he said, look, there is no authority except from God. It's godly, and thus it's functional. Disorder is ungodly, and therefore it creates dysfunction everywhere we go. And my hunch, is that we felt that in our schools. We felt the disorder that has led to dysfunction. The second point that I have for you today is this. Every person is under authority and is entrusted with a measure of authority. I'll say it again. Every person is under authority and is entrusted with a measure of authority. Now, let's talk about that. He says this in verse one, let everyone submit uh, to governing authorities or let every person submit themselves. And first Peter two talks about the same principles. And he says this, submit to every human authority because of the Lord. And here's what he's saying is look, every one of us is under authority. So when he says to you, submit yourself, he's, he's, um, implying that you have power over yourself to submit yourself. Does that make sense? You have authority over your, your person, right? So that you are able to actually 
recognize, okay, this person is over me. This is my leader. I'm going to submit them, myself to them. Right. He's, he's assuming that we have a measure of authority. We, we know that it says that God instituted the authorities, which means he's the ultimate authority. And if we had an org chart for all of life, at the top of that org chart would be God. Right? He's the top. The top of the org chart. He has the authority, and every single person is under the authority of God. He's the boss. We also, and he uses the word submit, a dirty word in our culture. We don't talk about that. We only like the word submit when it's like, submit your order on Amazon. We're like, submit, <laughs> right? That's cool. We love that kind of submission. I will submit my order all day long. But if you're going to tell me to submit, like, what? Here's what it means. It means to yield. It's to yield. It's an order word. And it just means I know when you're the leader, and I also know when I'm the leader. To submit is to come under something. It's to say, okay, you know, you're, you're leading now. You're leading. I submit. I yield to you. It's like the, the, the yield sign that you see on the side of the road, right? When cars are coming and you see the yield sign, it's in your best interest to stop, right? Because you do not want to get creamed by one of those cars. It's there for a reason because, look, but there are times when no one's coming and it's like, boom, you got the freedom, man. Go. Please don't stop at a yield sign when no one's coming, right? The cars are going to honk at you. Keep going, but you're yielding. You're willing to stop when someone who's leading you says stop, okay? To yield, to submit. And all of us are called to submit. And all authority is delegated authority. For example, in the great nation of the United States of America, we have a system of checks and balances, right? Executive judicial, legislative, and they are holding each other in this tension of accountability. It's delegated authority. We see that all throughout the, the city governments, police, all these kinds of things, right? There's, there's a chain of command that's holding things in check, and, and everybody's under some sort of authority. Business leaders, you're under authority, right? You might have a board. You might have shareholders. You, you might have, uh, well, you definitely have the IRS, right? So you, you have things that you have to submit to. There are legal requirements that you have. You have to submit, right? Church leaders, Subject to elders, like they're elders that look over me. They're, they're making sure that I'm doing what I need to be doing or that I'm not doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing, right? There's, there's an accountability amongst the people of God. There's, there's a submission that as a church leader under the chief shepherd of Jesus, right? In a school district, same thing. Delegated authority. We have superintendents, we have school boards, we have teachers and principals and all these things and students that submit themselves to authority. And here's the thing. When people are in authority, but they're not under authority, it's really scary. 
I have a picture I want to show you guys. Can you go to my picture of the scary picture of someone in authority that's not under authority? With nuclear warheads? That's really comforting, right? In authority, but not under authority. It causes real problems. So every one of us is under authority. If you can go to that next slide, every one of us is entrusted with a measure of authority, okay? You have authority. You're like, no, I don't. I don't lead anyone or anything. Yes, you do. You actually do. You have a measure of authority. He says, let everyone submit. And we, we talked about this self-rule or this self-control, right? So when the scripture says that, that we are to honor the Lord with our bodies, what it's implying is that you have the power over your body to honor or not honor the Lord. You have authority over it. When it says that we take every thought captive to make it obedient to the Lord Jesus, he's saying, look, you have authority over your thoughts. And you get to say no or yes to your thoughts. You have authority over our actions. We just read, he says, do good and you will have its approval, right? You can do, you, can, you, can, you have authority over your actions, you have authority over yourself, and what you do with that authority really, really matters. I found this quote. This is from John Tyson, a pastor that I love, and here's what he said. God has dignified our choices with the possibility of reward and the consequence of regret. That we have an authority over our life and, and God has dignified that authority and says, look, if you're choosing things that honor me, there's rewards for you. But if you're going to constantly choose that which dishonors me, there's, there's regret. As we read earlier, that there's literally, they're going to bring judgment on yourself. So let's talk about the measure of authority. Households, parents, we just alluded to this. You have authority in your house. Did you know that? I know we know that, but sometimes we just don't realize that we have authority in our houses. Moms and dads, you can tell your kids what to do. And they can choose not to obey you, and then you get to bring the hammer, right? Oh yeah, you are authorized, my friends. My favorite verse in the Bible is, children, obey your parents, right? <laughs> so that it will go well with you and you will have a long life in the land. You are authorized. Grandparents, you have a measure of authority over those grandkids. Now you should probably like work with your kids to make sure you're like on the same page, right? But you have a measure of authority. You, you can set the house rules. Grandparents, by the way, when your adult children come to you and they start asking for your advice, you know what they're doing? They're honoring you and the authority that you have as their parent. They want to know what you think. In the workplace, right? You might have a measure of authority that someone has to report to you or, or you are responsible for a certain part of the budget or, or a certain you know, tasks or decisions, right? You have responsibilities and that's part of your authority. In the classroom, teachers, right? You have authority over those students in that classroom. Coaches, 
have authority over players. Law enforcement officers have authority over citizens, elected officials, board members, a measure of authority. Like literally every one of us, if we really thought about it, has been entrusted with a measure of authority in our lives. And here's what I just want to lean into today. And this is my heart for this morning is that whatever measure you have, I just want you to recognize that God has entrusted it to you. There's no authority except that which comes from God. He's entrusted you, and here's what that means. Whatever station of life you're in, you are God's man or God's woman for that place right now, because that's where he's placed you. This is the measure of authority he's given you. He's put you there, and I just want you to feel a sense of like, Ah, God has put me here for a reason, for a purpose, salt and light. He's he's given me a trust in this area of my life. The other thing is this. When you are a normal person, you will regularly feel over your head. Right? Parents, how many times we felt over our heads, our kids go into the next season of their life and we're like, I've never parented a kid who's whatever before. I've never parented a high schooler before. I've never sent a kid off to college before. I've never had grandkids before. Right? You know, it's just like we constantly feel a little bit over our heads, a little bit out of our depth. Let's, you know, let's talk about our workplaces, whatever you've been entrusted with. There are probably parts of that you're like, oh, I think I know what to do right now. I'm 75% sure that I know what to do right now, right? You just feel a little bit out of your depth. And I just want you to know that, yes, that's normal. Yep, we're all out of our depth. We don't know what we're doing. Welcome to the human race. We're, we're not totally sure about everything, okay? We're still learning, and I just want you to know that's normal, and here's the deal. It doesn't mean that God hasn't put you there for a reason. He's still giving you those kids. He's still giving you that job. He's still giving you that station of life, wherever that is for you. He's entrusted you with it, and he's right there, and he's put you there so that you might reach out for him in your need and call to him, and he could show you that he truly is the God who knows you and who listens to your prayers and who loves you and who's with you. He's with you. He's called you. You're there for a reason. He's put you in that place. We're all Every one of us has a measure of authority. We are under authority. Verse three and four. Let me look at this one more time. Here's what he says. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have its approval, for it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason, for it is God's servant and avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. And I was thinking about that avenger word right there. I think I have a slide for that. If you could just go to that next slide. Um, so we have, in schools, a lot of times they have like a superhero theme, right? 
And little Johnny comes to school and he's got his Iron Man t-shirt on. We're like, oh, look, he's Iron Man. Now, here's the reality is that whoever has been authorized to administer the discipline to little Johnny is the Avenger, okay? According to what he's saying right, ha- right here. Is that God's placed an order in part of us using our, our authority, that measure of authority is that we will use it to, to, to tell people what is right and what is wrong. In the same way that we are under authority in the government, police, laws, they tell us this is okay, this is not okay. Third thing is this. Authority is increased through submission and it's diminished through rebellion. I'll say it again. Authority is increased through submission and is diminished through rebellion. What in the world do I mean by that? Well, consider with me the life of Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's the Son of God, right? Surely he had authority. In fact, the people that were hearing him preach would say he taught as one who had authority, not like the teachers that they were used to. So here, they're they're hearing the Son of God speak, and it has this this weight, this authority that comes with it. And yet Jesus said, I only say, I only speak what I hear the Father saying. Jesus modeled perfect submission to the Father, and thus, as he submitted perfectly to the Father, his his authority was increased. He said um, in the garden, if you remember, as he's praying and he says, Lord, take this cup from me, right? I, I, don't, I don't want to die on this cross. I, I don't want to go through this. I, I, don't, I don't want to suffer like this, but not my will, but yours be done. And he submits himself perfectly. And the resurrected Jesus appears to his disciples and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. Jesus models perfect submission for us, and he shows us how this authority, God's authority, increases upon those who perfectly submit to him. And, uh, Here's the thing, you, you know this by experience. Let's talk about students, we'll pick on the classroom. Let's just say you're a student and everything the teacher says, you're like, no, not doing it right, attitude's terrible. P- the teacher says, you know, put your trash in the trash can and you put it in the corner. Um, you, she says, turn your homework in on Tuesday, you turn it on Thursday, right? It's like you do not do anything the teacher says. And then someday there's this like a legitimate thing happens and, and the teacher's, you know, saying this, and you're like, I can't do that. And here's, I have a real reason this time. And you go to that teacher and you tell the teacher, I can't do it because here's the reason why. And what's going to happen in that moment? Fat chance. Teacher does not care. Why? Because you have constantly gone against everything that she said. And in the moment when you need approval, it won't be there. Now, this never happens in the workplace, right, adults? Right? This, this would never, ever happen for adults because we're so much more mature than that. We would never struggle with this, right? But let's just pretend that maybe in the workplace, uh, you know, 
you don't love your boss. And everything they do, you're just like, oh, not going to do that. And you huff and you puff and you have a terrible attitude. And you talk to the other employees around the water cooler and you're like, oh, I hate this guy, right? You know, and so it's like, by the way, your boss knows that, okay? Just, they, they know. Um, and when you need the boss's favor because of whatever is going on in your life, when you go for it, it's not there. Because you have no leverage because whenever we are constantly rebelling, we, we were actually going to dis, diminish our authority. The, the, the end game of that, if we constantly rebel against all authorities, we literally lose all authority and we wind up, wind up in a place called prison. And the only authority you have is like when you go to the bathroom. That's the only thing that you have authority over. Seriously. Right? You, you, you lose all all authority, but as people who want to honor the Lord, he's given us this dignity of choice that if we will learn how to live in the order that he's given to us, what's going to happen is, is we're actually going to find more approval, more blessing, more opportunity, more promotions, because we are people who understand what it is to live under leadership and to lead out of a person who lives under leadership. I'll give you an example. When we were planting this church, um, I went and I had a very, very good friend who planted a church in Katy, and he asked me to come be on staff, and I was like, yes, I will go that. They're going to send us out. And my immature brain is like, oh, like we got to get this church started. We got to plant this thing. God said to go plant a church. I'm going to go plant a church. And I'm thinking like, Maybe like two years of serving at this church, and, and I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go, we're gonna go plant this church. And so I'd go meet with, with uh, Matt, who was my lead pastor, and with the elders, and they would say things like, We really want you to go through this residency program. It takes a year. And I'm like, Okay. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. That would be really, really good. I'd do that. Awesome, great job. There's another residency program. It's also another year. We think you should do that. Not, not my plan, not what I had in mind. Yes. Why? Because you're my leaders. And if I go try to lead something without the blessing of my leaders, guess what's going to happen? The God's not going to honor it. He's not going to honor that. I jokingly told Casey, I was like, hey, no more meetings with the elders. A year keeps tacked on every time. <laughs> but in God's timing, guess what? We had the full blessing, full support. They're in our corner. They love us. They're for us. They're, they're with us, right? Because we, I chose in that process to say, Lord, you're my ultimate leader. You've placed these people over me, and they're saying that I need to do this, and I'm more than I trust them, I trust you who's placed them over me, and so I will choose to fall into the order, and I'm going to trust that it's for my good. And here's what I know. If I had planted that church two years earlier, it would have been a total disaster. I needed order. And friends, you need 
order. We all need order. Authority is instituted by God. Every person is under authority, is entrusted with a measure of authority, and it's increased through submission, and it's diminished through rebellion. As I close, I just want to point out one verse to you that precedes the section that we just read. And here's what he says in Romans 12, 21. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. You, you probably know that verse. You might even have that verse memorized. Do not be conquered by evil or overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And it's just interesting to me that, you know, before we had chapter breaks and little numbers everywhere and all the stuff that we have in our modern Bibles, that as the Romans are getting a letter and they're reading the letter through and it says, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Boom. Submit yourself to every governing. It's like they're seeing this all as one continuous thought to understand how are we going to help put the world back together again? We're going to do it by honoring the order that God has entrusted. He's given it to us. He's laid it over our lives. And if we will learn how to live in authority as people of authority, we're going to see flourishing. Because that's what order does. So how in the world do we as believers help put the world back together again? We willingly yield ourselves to God's order for our good. Submission is more than the button on Amazon, right? It's, it's our lives. We need to rediscover the flourishing that takes place when each person lives under authority and recognizes the authority that God has entrusted to them. And here's the thing. We probably won't be able to do this very well. In fact, it's impossible for us to do this in our human nature. Because our human nature says this, how dare you tell me what to do? Right? Ever had someone tell you what to do and you're like, what? Right? You start doing the whole, like, all that kind of thing. How dare you? Because that's what our flesh default is our sin nature every time resists when somebody tries to tell us what to do, when someone exerts authority. But Jesus did something remarkable. At the Last Supper, the last supper with his disciples before he's going to be crucified, there's a moment where he, he takes a towel and he wraps it around his waist and he gets a basin of water, and he just begins to, to kneel. The, the high king of heaven, the Lord of all, the one who's going to tell them all authority has been given to me, here's what he does, is he stoops down like this, and he just begins to wash their feet. The man of high authority, the highest authority, stoops to wash their feet. And he turns the org chart upside down. And he humbles himself to death on a cross. And until we understand and receive the stooping king, we will never, ever, ever 
be able to lower ourselves into God's order. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? The proud heart says, why do I need to be washed? What sin? I, I, I don't need that. But the true heart knows, I desperately need that. Jesus is our model. He's the one that we look to. He's the, he's the life that we're saying, I'm going to imitate him. We need to be people who stoop. But before we can be people who stoop, we have to have people who have been served by Jesus. You need to receive in your heart, in the depth of your soul, that the highest authority went to the lowest place to wash your feet and to cleanse you from every sin in your life so that you could be made new and made whole. You could have a new spirit that would be able to stoop too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rin-church.org.